With a history of 5,000 years, it's no surprise that China has created a fabulous treasury of folk tales. Once a year, on the seventh day of the seventh month, all the magpies fly up to heaven and form a bridge. So many amazing worlds to discover. I want a new palace, said King Mu of Zhou one day. Chinese folk tales retold for audiences today. Will, will you marry me? He asked. And with little hesitation, she said, <laughs> Yes! 5,000 years of amazing Chinese folk tales. My father must not go to war. Someone must take his place. You'll find Chinese Folk Tales Season 3, wherever you discover your favorite podcasts. keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable, coming to you from Beijing. I'm Lai Ming. Coming up on today's show, yogurt is fast becoming an important part of people's diet in the past decade. One can enjoy it as a form of dessert at the end of a meal or have it in the afternoon tea session. The increasing demand for healthy food has only fueled the growing appetite for this fermented food. But we also see complaints about an overpricing issue. We will hear the case in just a moment. And we stay in the topic of food, but pivot slightly to the case of pre-cooked dishes. This is another form of business that has witnessed paradigm-shifting changes in the past few years. What's the current state of development for pre-cooked dishes and what does it mean for the cooks? We will break it down for you on Roundtable. What are your thoughts on our topics and discussion? You can have your voices heard on Roundtable by writing an email to us at ezfmroundtable at foxmail.com. If you really like our show and would like more people to know about us, a good way to do it is to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts at Roundtable China. Now, allow me to bring in my co-hosts Joshua and Paul, and we will get started on our first topic of the day. Yogurt is a kind of dairy product derived from fermented milk. In its crude form, it can be an acquired taste, but modern manufacturers are putting a lot of thoughts and ingredients to make it more delicious and appealing to the palate. It didn't used to be a part of most Chinese people's diet, but increasingly it is occupying a spot on the dinner table or office table. What is the case in your country, Josh? Let's begin with you. Is yogurt already a part of your diet uh, where you come from? Yeah, definitely. Yogurt is, in British English, we call it yogurts rather than yogurt, and uh, I, I, at least in the north. And I think that it's definitely a popular part of our diet, although I wouldn't say it's considered a luxury item, which is maybe, maybe because it's such a staple in our diet and da- dairy foods in general are hugely popular in the United Kingdom. So because it's such a staple of our diet, it's not really seen as a particular luxury. And I guess that kind of keeps the price down. Um, actually, I found some statistics from the Office of National Statistics that suggest 
that the price of yogurt in the UK has actually decreased slightly in the last couple of years. So mm-hmm. there you go. Mm-hmm. I like what's going on here in China, where competition seems to be picking up. And if you go to the supermarkets, you realize you can almost see the war going on there.、Uh, manufacturers are coming up with all kinds of packages priced at different levels and price range. So that's what's going on here in China and in the UK. Paul, what would be the case where you come from in South Africa? Is it part of your people's traditional diet, or is it、uh, picking up as well here、uh, in, in South Africa? Mm-hmm. Well, nowadays it is part of、uh, people's diet in South Africa, but、uh, we do also have something that's called sour milk, which is similar to yogurt. I would say it's like homemade stuff. Yes. So traditionally, in the olden days, people who keep who kept cattle, they would actually have milk and then also make sour milk from that milk, and you use that.、Um, To mix with、uh, something called I, I'm not sure what the English、uh, or the Chinese word for it is, but it's、uh, it's a base made from corn meal.、Mm-hmm. So it's ground up、um, corn to make it fine, and then you can cook it almost like grits in in America.、Okay. Something that they call grits、uh, in South Africa, we call it putu or bap. Okay. And then you can mix it with、uh, sour milk, so that's how it's usually consumed. But then、uh, normal yogurt, people, I guess, people who are health conscious, they love、uh, yogurt, especially Greek yogurt, which is something that I also eat. And then、uh, kids also love yogurt, I think, because、uh, parents use yogurt as a treat, a special treat for kids.、Mm-hmm. So. You'll find it's very popular among kids, and they love the brand Danone. So you'll find that、um, they have it in their lunch boxes when they go to school. And yeah, so I would say in South Africa, people yes, they do eat yogurt, but it's not that popular, especially amongst adults. Got it. Here in China, like I said earlier,、uh, the taste for yogurt is picking up. And I remember as a kid,、uh, I really had the chance to. Enjoy a cup of yogurt until like I was in college years. My classmates introduced me to them, and I grow a、uh, fondling for them because when when we started, we were going for these sweet and really、uh, flavorsome choices. I would from upon you know Greek yogurt, which a lot of people who are health conscious、uh, would go for. So Joshua, what would be good yogurts? Where you come from? What are the occasions people consume them? Do they incorporate yogurts in their own diet, like consume them with meals, or is it also, let's say, part of the afternoon tea session? Are they consumed in the office?、Uh, I wouldn't say that it's part of an afternoon tea session. Usually, yogurt is consumed in the morning. That's the most common time. Although it can be consumed throughout the day as well. But generally, I would say it's more of a breakfast food. It's considered more of a breakfast food in the UK.、Um, in the UK, I would say, although people may joke about how bland our food is, I would I would like <laughs> to put the argument forward that we do breakfast pretty well in the United Kingdom, and it's not just the fried breakfast. There's a lot of things like cereals and、um, dairy products, and often they're combined with the yogurt, Greek yogurt. With honey and things like this, I know none of this sounds very British, but still,、um, yeah. So yogurt is part and parcel of the morning routine, I would say. Would you eat it as a dessert, Josh? No. Okay. No. 
We do. I don't think, I think. so. You would. <laughs> You would do that? Yeah, some people would actually mix uh, yogurt with um, fruit and uh, serve it in functions, especially like big functions, not fancy functions, of course, but you know, in in the local communities, uh, rural communities, people would actually uh, serve it as a as a dessert. So there is a little bit of a cultural difference here.、Right? Here in China, we notice more and more people, office ladies、uh, mostly, would uh, keep. Uh, Cup of yogurt bought from a supermarket in a freezer in the office, and maybe when it's time for the afternoon tea session, oh, pops goes the,、uh, the the lid, and they will come start consuming them. So that's what's going on here right now. Again,、uh, we mentioned at the very beginning there's a fierce competition going on in the yogurt market here in China, and、uh, the prices of Yogurt seems to be going on so much so that we are seeing a lot of complaints about how they can be very expensive. In a lot of people's opinion, Data Block One Six Three, a data service provider under Chinese internet giant NetEase, checked the price of one hundred and forty-two types of yogurt products in several convenience stores sold in a first-year city, based on the data of food delivery app Meituan on June the sixth, twenty twenty-three. And the survey showed that most yogurt products are sold at over 10 yuan per box. Only less than 10% of yogurt products are sold at less than 5 yuan each box. For those of you who are not familiar with the currency exchange rate or the average income of Chinese people, here is some additional information. For the Chinese people, the disposable income per capita in 2022 in China was around 31,000 yuan, or 4,500 U.S. dollars. So, if one were to consume a serving of yogurt costing 10 yuan every day for throughout the year, that'll be like 3,650 yuan, which is more than 10%. Of Chinese people's disposable income per capita. If we only look at first-year cities, because the survey by Data Block One Six Three was conducted in a first-year city. So, if you look at the statistics here in Beijing, in Beijing the disposable income per capita was about seventy-seven thousand yuan, and so even in big cities like Beijing, if you were to consume a yogurt, a serving of yogurt every day. Well, you'll be set back by five percent of your disposable income. So that does that ring a bell? Is it too much? Is it okay for people to spend five percent of their income on yogurt alone? To me, it sounds like a, a normal standard price, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> But I do buy the most expensive brand, which is Greek yogurt. So. <laughs> I wouldn't really know much about the average price because I don't like to eat、um, flavored yogurt. I would occasionally eat it, so just in case someone sees me eating it in public one one day. Yeah, but in my fridge today, if you go to my apartment, you'd find a tub of Greek yogurt, and that is expensive. I think one kilogram, one kg, would be about just over fifty kwai. Wow, fifty yuan. Okay, or can even go as high as a hundred and above a hundred also. So it depends which brand you buy, but、um, the normal brands that you find in your supermarket, to me, it sounds reasonable. I don't know. <laughs> okay, so I got it. So, but、um, prices do f- 
go up and down, especially right now when uh, we are facing inflation in many parts of the world, uh, and you find that the ingredients that are used to make yogurt, mm-hmm. they're the ones that are where you see the prices going up. Like, for instance, milk, which is the main uh, base mm-hmm. for making uh, yogurt. And if that is expensive, think about what uh, the dairy farmers are, are facing. They are also facing a lot of um, hikes in prices where we talk about uh, feed for the cows and uh, also many other things that go into caring for dairy uh, in a dairy farm. So that will trickle down to the yogurt in the shop, the one that you pick up from your free or from the freezer in the supermarket. And so I think that does impact um, the prices that we are seeing right now. So in, in that sense, yeah, it makes sense that you would see prices going up in some places. Right. Uh, but then I think it's commendable that in the UK, <laughs> it's not that much. Uh, I mean, yogurt is not that much expensive right now, is it? Fair enough. Yeah. Josh, is it uh, crazy to spend like five to 10% of somebody's income? come on yogurts alone well of course that sounds ridiculous right but i think really what we're talking about is how much money people are willing to spend on food and on luxury food items so and luxury when i say luxury i don't necessarily mean like that something that's ridiculously expensive but something that you don't need right that's the meaning of luxury in this sentence right in this context so i guess that people would usually spend about five percent of their income on items of food that they don't really need i think well not everybody in the world of course but i think that in a lot of developed countries anyway i think people spend would not be shocked by spending five to ten percent on some luxury item whether it be chocolate or something sweet or alcohol or yogurt right i guess that yogurt is just the new luxury item i mean we've been spending way too much money on avocados for about the last 15 (laughs) years in the uk i mean i'm sure you've seen the price of avocado on toast in a store when you go abroad it's just insane right and i think that there's a lot of people that probably spend 10 percent of their income on avocados so yeah i guess yogurt's just the new avocado or the the equivalent yeah so what's the story that retailers are telling consumers to convince them to spend more money on avocados well it's very instagrammable i know that for sure um, and it's it's sold as a superfood, right? I think this is another thing. I think natural yogurt is the same, right? It's sold as this food that's, of course, very sweet and delicious, but it's also good for you. So I think that's very marketable and very Instagrammable, very Xiaohong shuable, isn't it? If it's something that's healthy, but also delicious. And guess what? The same thing is happening here in China, not on avocados, though, but on Yogurts, some of the explanations besides uh, Pearl was so kind to share with us uh, with regard to inflation and uh, things in the economic sense. Uh, The consumers, uh, the manufacturers actually are telling stories about healthy lifestyles, about no additives, about high-end raw materials like milk and even the bacteria, the healthy bacteria that they are using in making these delicious yogurts. So that seems to be uh, the story that people are telling to convince people to spend more money. And Pearl, do you buy those stories? You strike me as somebody who's really thinking of yogurt as something that's essential in your life. 
And in that case, would you fall for the stories that these manufacturers are telling you, or you you are king on your own option, and that is only Greek yogurt? Yeah, I'm I'm happy with my option.、Uh, I believe it's healthier than the rest of the options that are out there, because when you look at how you are talking about what is important or what. <laughs> What is the picture that is painted out there by、uh, manufacturers in convincing to try and convince consumers that this is a product for them? Where milk is sourced, apparently it's a big thing. If it comes from New Zealand or it comes from North America or North. East China that is important because that those areas are considered as areas that produce the best milk, best quality when it comes to dairy products. Apparently, I mean it depends, I guess, on the conditions of those areas. I mean, you're just talking about、uh, avocados right now. Inside, I was at home.、Uh, I went home in April and I bought an avocado for like、um, an equivalent of maybe twenty kwai. Twenty yuan for one avocado. Yes, and、hmm. it was a huge one too, because we have lots of avocado trees around. <laughs> so I bought this one from my neighbor because he was selling. He, I guess, he picked them and then he was selling them in the community. So I was like, oh, let me try his avocados, and they tasted real good. So for us, we are fortunate in South Africa that we do have avocado trees all almost. All over, so we can have them cheap. But if you go to a a shop, then that's where you will a supermarket. That's where you'll find the most expensive avocados because some of them will be imported avocados. But、uh, we do grow avocados in South Africa, so that makes it a bit better than in other parts of the world where they have to import avocados. But also the the brand or the the strain or the variety of、uh, the avocados they do matter. So you find the more the ones that they call the healthier <laughs> variants, they will be more expensive. But when it comes to、um, yogurt. Yes, I like to stick to what I know、uh, as being healthier. It's got more calcium, yeah, more calcium and proteins. Greek yogurt compared to the others that have a lot of preservatives,、mm-hmm. and、um, some of them they don't even use a lot of milk. They they are con- they had they have a high concentration of water in them. So you、okay. have to read the, the nutrition、uh, fact box at the back and and find out what. Goes into your products that you are consuming every day, so that you are well informed about what you are eating. Because、um, some of us,、um, you know, we don't like to get sick, and so we try our be- very best to stay healthy. And that's my main focus when I choose what I eat. I look at what will make me healthy and what will keep me healthy, because I don't like to see <laughs> a doctor. <laughs> All right.、Uh, I see you make some very good points,、uh, highlighting、uh, like the source of the raw material, like the、uh, the strain, the quality of the strain, and also the nutritional factors are all things that people might consider when it comes to making their own decisions in buying yogurts. But you make a very very interesting point when you、uh, provided the example of you buying an avocado from your neighbor as compared to buying something from a store. 
And this really brings us back to Yogis and also the survey conducted by uh, DataBlock163. Not only was the survey conducted in a first year city, it was also conducted in convenience stores. Uh, I'm not sure about you guys, uh, where you come from. In my understanding, I mean, based on my own life experience, when I look at convenience stores, uh, one thing that pops up in mind is more expensive compared to supermarkets. And I wonder where you buy yogas might have, have a part to play uh, when it comes to people's complaints about overpricing issue. Josh, where you come from, like in the UK, uh, what's the state of convenience stores? Is it popular? Is it everywhere? And uh, what do people perceive of, of them? Do they expect to pay more uh, at convenience stores compared to these blockbuster uh, supermarkets? Yes. Well, convenience stores really struggle to keep up with the bigger supermarkets. I think that that's kind of the same in a lot of countries these days. But the UK is definitely one of those places that you know that basically the bigger the supermarket is, the lower the price is going to be. And the thing is, though, is that in the UK, the, these convenience stores are really convenient because there's a lot of housing there in the United Kingdom that's really old. So they can't actually build supermarkets everywhere. They're just not allowed. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these convenience stores, um, some of them are called like corner shops and they'll be buried on the ground level. We call it the ground floor, but I think in China that's the first floor, right? So like the <laughs> yeah. street level. Um, on the street level, there will be a small convenience store that's neatly buried in between the houses. So although they are more expensive, but they do make up, they do make it up for their it's in the name for the convenience. Mm -hmm. Pearl, what would be your opinion? Uh, do you think where people buy these yogas might uh, affect their perception of the overpricing issue? Where do you usually go for your yogurts? Well, here in China, I usually go online uh -huh. because that's where I think you can get Greek yogurt. But uh, yeah, because if you go to a normal supermarket, I don't think... I've had any luck in finding Greek yogurt, except for the flavored Greek style yogurt that they have. They do have the little bottles or tubs of uh, Greek styled yogurt, but it's flavored. So it's not something that I'm looking for. But yeah, I go online. Online, it's it's most convenient to go and uh, check Taobao or JD um, or any other online um, shops that you can utilize, you can utilize to buy whatever you need convenience stores yes well when you look at south africa now going to south africa where i'm from i think you would not find a lot of choices there'll be a few brands in convenience stores and yes they will also be expensive so it's better for people to go to a larger supermarket where they'll find a variety of brands and uh, also be able to see the prices that are available and they might even find cheaper uh, brands that they can purchase. So yeah, convenience stores are limited, even though they are convenient, but they are limited when it comes to choices. One more interesting phenomena that I observe in my life is that even with the contrast or the comparison 
or the division of labor between convenience stores and supermarkets. If you were to walk into a supermarket and and walk to the、uh, segment for、uh, yogas, you realize in recent years the supermarket owners or operators have even upped their game with regard to yogas. But then coming back. If both convenience stores and supermarkets are stepping up their efforts to promote yogas and yogas with increasingly higher prices, one might wonder: Are people's complaints justified, really? Because I don't think convenience store owners or supermarket operators are dumb enough to put stuff that are too expensive, overpriced for consumers to buy. If these Yogas are still on the shelf, and they are going up in prices. And there could be only one explanation, and that is people are still buying them. Josh, do you think there is a point here? Do you think that despite people's complaints about overpricing issue with regard to yogas, there are still factors keeping them going back to supermarkets and convenience stores and going for yogas, which they think are a bit overpriced? I'm sure that there's a lot of factors that come come into it, and I imagine that the issue with supply and demand is probably, although that's one of the most common reasons for price increases, right? It, it doesn't seem as though there's a massive supply issue here. So,、um, if if there isn't an issue with the supply, then I think that it it comes down to、uh, consumer preferences. I think that's the the main thing here, and. Changes in consumer preferences. Is I, I wonder. I would like to ask you, Liming. I wonder has is although I understand that with this news that yogurt is increasing in price and the market is diversifying and there's more luxury products. But has yogurt always been a staple thing in China? Has it been consumed as much as it is being consumed now? It hasn't. That's right, the、okay. fun, that's the interesting、uh, phenomenon. I mean, it's、uh, part of the staple or part of the diet for people in some part of the country where they have access to to milk, either from cows、mm. or from sheep, but not for the majority of the population in this country. Which is why we are seeing a very interesting phenomenon that's going on, where people have a growing appetite for yogurts. You're listening to Roundtable. Coming up in the second half of the show, we talk about the latest trends in pre-cooked dishes and the resulting impact on the lives of restaurant owners and consumers. Stay tuned for more fun discussions on Roundtable. The mother put the porcelain spoon. The mother drew back and poured the little girl back. But the mother did not hear the old voice. The mother. Experience the heartwarming story of a mother's love that knows no bounds. Titled The Mother. Written by Nobel Prize-winning author Pearl S. Buck, it's a story of love, sacrifice, and the universalism of motherhood that transcends race and borders. Told through an account of an unnamed mother living in rural China in the early 20th century. Get the audiobook right now at radio.cgtn.com or any major podcast platform. Simply search for the Books and Beyond podcast and key in the mother. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with me, Lai Ming, Josh, and Paul. 
Coming up in a market where food delivery service has become a matter of course, pre-cooked dishes make an excellent solution for restaurants who need to handle extra stress during peak hours, for delivery guys who need to be fast and efficient, and for consumers who demand both speed and taste. But when pre-cooked dishes appear on wedding banquets, priced at many times their original cost, the consumers start to protest. We find out about limitations of pre-cooked dishes. And in Roundtable's Happy Place segment, we will confide to you as to what has made us happy this week. Hopefully, this would also put a smile on your face. Now let's stay on the topic of food and analyze the market for pre-cooked dishes. Now, pre-cooked dishes come in many forms. I think initially、uh, there was this talk about、uh, ultra clean vegetables or ultra ultra clean food materials that people can buy to、uh, in supermarkets. So these are well washed, clean, and and even sliced up for you. All you need to do is to bring them home. Of course, paying for them and bring them home and, and cook. That saves you a lot of trouble. Then moving on later on, especially in the past few years, I wouldn't say because of COVID, but、uh, certainly we've seen pre-cooked dishes take off in the past few years, and as a result, it is possible to buy、uh, pre-cooked dishes in supermarkets. And also, when you step into a restaurant, there's a chance that you might run into pre-cooked dishes that are heated and.、Uh, Process somewhat in in the kitchen and then brought to your table. So that seems to be the case.、Uh, but people are some people are complaining about pre-cooked dishes, according to a report on June the sixth by Chao News,、uh, a news outlet sponsored by Zhejiang Daily Press Group. A couple recently in Hangzhou, Zhejiang Province, chose a high-priced banquet package in a well-known hotel in the city to host their wedding. They do it in order to leave an unforgettable wedding banquet for relatives and friends. But later on, they realize that about seventy percent of the sixteen dishes served at the banquet were pre-cooked dishes, and this this really challenged their perception because they were later learning about the fact that the cost of the banquet of six thousand yuan per table is as low as nearly twelve hundred yuan for each table. So they feel like they're being Cheated on by the caterers who served the guests with pre-cooked dishes. So、uh, we touched upon the concept or the definition of pre-cooked dishes.、Um, Josh, have you had any meals recently here in China、uh, in restaurants? Have you bought any pre-cooked dishes from supermarkets? What would be your opinion on on such a meal solution? I tend not to have pre-cooked dishes because I don't use a microwave or an oven a lot of the time. I just use a wok or a pan, really. So I guess that if that's one of the main reasons why. But I I must say, when I was a university student in the UK and also in France, I ate quite a lot of pre-cooked dishes、uh, because they're so cheap and I couldn't cook. So yeah, in China, not so often, honestly. Most、mm-hmm. of the time, it's pretty freshly cooked. Yeah. Do you ever have meals in a restaurant? Yeah, yeah, of course, but I wouldn't call them pre-cooked meals. I mean, the thing is, is that a lot of the time you never, you don't really know if it's been pre-cooked or not, and what does pre-cooked actually mean, right? Because I think there's parts of the dish that have been pre-cooked. I know that a lot of things 
like sauces can be frozen and pre-prepared does that Mm -hmm. count as pre-cooked i guess probably not right if it's made in the kitchen or i guess it depends on your definition of pre-cooked Mm-hmm. Pearl, would you be able to understand when I described the the different types of pre-cooked dishes early on? Um, have you run into some of these pre-cooked dishes eating at a restaurant or ordering takeouts? For me, I would say using fresh ingredients mm-hmm. uh, is key in, in preparing um, a good meal that is freshly cooked. So, for instance, you can make your, your stock and uh, maybe... You can make it on the same day, actually, if you, you want to cook with stock. And uh, vegetables, you can go to a supermarket and, and, and wash them, clean them, peel them. Those are fresh, I would, I would think, depending on when they bought them, but they're not cooked. So everything that is not cooked on, that is cooked on the day, I would consider as fresh. But if you then use frozen fish or frozen meat, then... Like, for instance, if you freeze your, your food, your, your meat, and then you cook it or prepare it later on to make a complete meal, then I would say parts of that is pre-cooked. It's true. I, I agree with uh, Josh that when you go to a restaurant, you don't know what part of the meal is fresh and what part of it is not, is, has been pre-prepared. Because sometimes if you go to a popular restaurant, Sometimes they may actually cut corners and pre-prepare some of the food because it's busy and there's a lot of people. But then there's also the other side where food gets finished quicker and so you will have time to prepare your meals fresh on the day because, you know, you are pushing through a lot of plates out. So it, it depends. So you just have to have the palate for it. When you go to a restaurant, you taste the food. You can taste if the steak is <laughs> rubbery, then you must worry that, okay, I don't think this is fresh. I think maybe it's pre-prepared. They, maybe they cooked it and they froze it for you to eat in the next on the next day. So those are some of the things. You just have to be wiser on some of the things when you go to restaurants. Yes, we know fast food chains. They do actually pre-cook uh, most of their food or the meals that they serve or else there wouldn't be fast food, there wouldn't be called fast food restaurant fast food restaurants or fast food chains and so yeah you just have to be wise uh, when you uh, choose your food or just cook at home like Josh does <laughs> I sometimes cook at home myself uh, because um, when I'm I'm trying to watch what I eat it's best to cook at home and so, yeah, I would advise people to do that. Pre-cooked dishes are easier to spot if you order food online and have it delivered to your doorstep. And so I've noticed that sometimes when I order food takeouts and the food comes in sealed packages, it feels as if the, the kitchen or the restaurant didn't do anything about it. All they did was to heat it and put it in the bag and have the delivery guy uh, bring them to my doorstep, and that's it. This happened to me many times, and as a a result, I think this is uh, a quite common practice. But another form of pre-cooked dish, as I mentioned earlier, would be if you walk into a restaurant, oftentimes in a mall where the use of open fire might be heavily regulated, uh, there's a chance that the food that you order may be a hot pot, 
maybe uh, some something that doesn't require a, a big open fire to cook. There's a chance that uh, it, it was pre-cooked and it's brought to you. Maybe the entirety or most of it is pre-cooked, and it, all they needed to do at the kitchen was to again to heat it and bring it onto the table. Uh, might, you might be able to f- tell it if you, the dish is brought to your table very fast, ex- incredibly fast. I mean, that could be a, a hint to help you understand to realize that. And another way some people, or I was reading up on this online, was that another way of of knowing or or maybe suspecting that the food is not fresh is if the menu at this restaurant that you're trying to eat at is extensive, because then you know that they pre-prepare maybe most of their food. Uh, pre-cook it so that they have time to prepare it for the guests or for customers when they order and so those are the things that you have to be on the lookout for if you if that's not what you want and it's a shame for these this the couple that uh, I actually went to this um, hotel to maybe try and have this amazing experience right. uh, because food is a major part of uh, a ceremony like that so a, a wedding course, yeah. people will talk uh, days and even months after the wedding if the food was terrible or the music was terrible you know those kind of kind of things so i feel sorry for them but yeah uh, i think maybe they should have just hired caterers so that they can, they know that they can see them cooking over there, that corner, uh, preparing the food instead of a hotel. Maybe if it was a fine uh, dining hotel or restaurant, it would have been better. I think they're the chefs. They do um, prepare the food uh, on site, and so it'll be fresh. I think. So this is a very unfortunate example of the caterers trying to cut corners and save cost. And uh, but this also points the way to people's perception or people's expectations when it comes to food. If it's a, a very important occasion like a wedding banquet, um, they might uh, care more about it. But if it's just a, a random meal uh, every day, um, maybe they uh, feel like, oh, well, I just want it fast and and tasteful and. Uh, uh, maybe pre-cooked uh, could be a good solution. Uh, Josh, you already mentioned the advantage of pre-cooked dishes. Uh, in your own example, for somebody who doesn't cook and who doesn't have all that is needed to facilitate uh, the entire kitchen, uh, pre-cooked dishes might be a very good quick fix to solve the problem. But here in China, um, I think some of the shift to Pre-cooked dishes might be explained in the in the change in the power dynamics back in the kitchen, because if you were to run a restaurant in a good old-fashioned way,、um, where you have a chef who makes the calls in the restaurant and allocates the labor and also assigns jobs to everybody,、uh, there's a chance that the restaurant owner might have to work with the chef to decide how the restaurant is run. And in case the restaurant has any problem and go suffers from 
mismanagement, there's a chance that the chef might walk out the door, bringing all the staff in the kitchen. So there's a little power dynamic game that's going on in the kitchen and in the running of a restaurant. But over the years, in,、um, there's a shift in the sense that a lot of the restaurant owners, especially big chain restaurant owners, they're thinking about new ways to try and take the power back to introduce new technologies like the central kitchen to make sure that they have、uh, full control of the running of the restaurant and also uh, uh, they have a way to reduce the cost of things. Josh, do you see this happening?、Uh, this trend or this shift in power dynamics going on in, in the UK?、Um, I'm not sure if I'd say it's a shift in power dynamics. I, you know, I actually worked in a kitchen a little bit when I was in the UK,、mm. and I did notice that these pre-cooked foods definitely having an influence on on things like the speed. If that does that count as As power dynamic, am I am I answering your question right now? <laughs> well, not entirely. I mean,、uh, what I'm trying to go at is that、um, in many times,、uh, in many cases, the restaurant owner will have to work with or、uh, consult the chief chef in the kitchen as to how a restaurant should be operated. Then, for instance, when do staff have to arrive and What are the solutions with regard to the preparation work and、uh, yeah stuff like that management of a restaurant and and in the good good old ways、um, the chef would have、um, a big say in terms of the management of a restaurant but going forward I mean as the practice of running central kitchens、uh, takes root and there's a chance that uh, uh, restaurants don't sometimes don't even need a professional cook.、Mm. There,、yeah. much less well,、yeah. a head chef. That's very costly. Yeah, I think it depends on the autonomy that that particular restaurant enjoys, and whether it's part of a chain or, as you as you quite rightly say, there's、uh, one of the restaurants that I worked in. The chef had a lot of power because、um, that was an independent restaurant, like gastro pub. So they the the chef decided the menu, and if the chef is deciding the menu, then the chef is also responsible for ordering the ingredients. Um, employing people,、um, all sorts of stuff. If it's a very good restaurant, the whole place obviously revolves around the chef, revolves around their choice of dishes. But if it's part of a chain, then you're right. You, you don't need to be a professional chef with too much training in order to do it, because a lot of the food is already there. The menu's already set, and the systems are in place in usually very large, industrious kitchens that. Um, have people doing very specific jobs, and it's almost like a, a factory, really. And I guess pre-prepared food、um, really plays into this and makes it much easier. So, yeah, there is a power dynamic there that is that has changed to some degree. Pearl, how do you think this shift might impact the job market? Because already、uh, young people are reluctant to be a, an apprentice in the kitchen to try and learn all the trades necessary to run a restaurant and be a nice cook. But nowadays, with Uh, restaurants shifting to pre-cooked dishes and central kitchen, the apprentices are much less、uh, willing to、uh, suffer the heat in the kitchen and、uh, also the bad tempers of the of the masters. Yes, it might create、um, less employment for people, but if the owner of the restaurant consults with、um, the chief or the head chef, it will it might also save. The company or the restaurants 
uh, in terms of you know money and how much profits they bring in it's better to have the two talking to each other and they that way they can come with come up with best strategies of serv- saving on the products that they are using to prepare meals as well as you know what kind of meals will actually bring in more customers on the front end and so then you can also come to a point where you realize maybe we do not need a lot of people in the kitchen uh, if we do things a certain way. And so it, it, it works. It's better if the two people work hand in hand and they consult each other. Obviously, the owner has the final say because it's his pocket, it's his business. But you have to work with the people that you employ for for you to be able to get uh, the most out of your business and as well as the employees that you have around. So, yeah, I think um, also the chef will have to have a say in what's going on because his reputation is on the line here, especially if it's a big uh, or well-established business or restaurant. Uh, People might go to that particular restaurant or establishment because of the food. And who prepares the food? It's the head chef who comes up with the menu. And so I think if everyone works together, they should be able to save costs and be able to come up with ways of uh, increasing um, increasing um, profits, but also not compromise too much on the products, you know, on the meals that they are serving. If, uh, if your customers or your patrons come in there to get the best meals, um, tasty meals, then you should continue to offer that to them, but find... I guess, innovative ways of um, coming up with best dishes. I'm sure these are professionals. I'm sure they can come up with something. In light of the changes in with regard to pre-cooked dishes and in the catering industry, I think uh, the head chefs and the top of the game, top players of the game might have an easier time adapting to the changes. I mean, they, they are the people who call the shots and they are the people who know how to run a restaurant and they might even have their own ideas with regard to starting their own business. But what happens to uh, young people who are yet to step into the industry? And Josh, where do you think th- such changes might bring us? Do you see more private restaurants being run by expert chefs, head chefs, and do you see this shift where the majority of the restaurants will be relying on pre-cooked dishes because they are efficient and and low-cost, whereas um, the private restaurants will have to go even higher end to appeal to more picky customers, or do they also need to, let's say, tap into the market of (laughs) wedding banquets? Mm. Well, in a very general sense, you know, we're moving into, we've discussed this on the show before, we're moving into the the fourth consumer era, right? Where where we're moving into a time when customers, they expect things, they expect diversity in their products, they expect a lot of choice, they even expect personalization of products. And Mm -hmm. I think that this is the same in the food industry as well. And I do think that there is going to be a big market in the future for chefs to have quite a lot of autonomy and to be able to create interesting and new foods. We already see this in um, most developed cities in the world. And I think that 
customers want this these days. I think they want to go out and go to a restaurant and eat something that they've never eaten before. They want to know where their products come from. More and more younger generations are particularly concerned with where their food is sourced. And I think that, so actually in, in to some degree, I think pre-cooked food is, is going to always have a place. And I think that it will change in different forms. I think that we will, it will get better. I think that we have this traditional notion of pre-cooked food being very unhealthy mm-hmm. um, and it being quick and it not having a lot of nutrients and very fatty, high in sugar, lots of preservatives, which has been true for a long time. But there's loads of pre-cooked food now, an increasing amount that is actually very healthy as well. So uh, I, I think that the market will change. But to answer your question, I do think that there's going to be an increase in restaurants that are more individual are more personalized because i think that's ultimately what the consumer's going to want more and more all right you're listening to roundtable we take a breather here and come back for our happy place this week delivery 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 what is it happiness from roundtable Welcome back to Happy Place of Roundtable. Uh, let's begin with Pearl. What it? What is it that's made you happy this week? I love new projects or getting involved in uh, new projects. So right now, um, even though I'm here in China, but back home, I'm involved in a like a process where we're renovating at home. Oh. So I get. I, <laughs> I I almost kind of like have the final say on something. So. Whenever like they call me, okay, we need this, we need that, this material, that material, then I have to organize that from over here. So yeah, I, I like the how things are coming along, and it looks, uh, it looks, it, it looks good because um, okay, backstory a bit. We had uh, this huge storms flooding in South Africa last year. And so what happened was that our home almost got washed away because we kind of like on a cliff or a slope. And so all the front yard got washed away. So now we're trying to build a bank and uh, build up the front um, yard. And that is coming along very well. My cousin is the, the, the contractor. So he's doing a great job. I'm, I'm impressed. Wow, so you're building back your home again. Yes, yes. A part uh, of your home. Part of it, yes. So right. Everything is coming along well, I think. Nothing beats the joy of building your own home. I mean, I, I've done that. Josh, what, what is your happy place this week? What's put a smile on your face? Well, I don't think mine's quite as impressive, but we, I guess we don't need to compare happiness in, in any way or form, do we? And um, because we're on the topic of food, uh, I, I I wanted to talk about something food related. Is that okay? Sure. Why not? Okay. Sure. Well, I mean, if if I say British food, what do you guys think of fish and chips? Exactly, yeah. Right. Now you know, actually, good fish and chips is really hard to come by in China, and it is something that we love very much. And I come from a seaside town, so. We have really great fish and chips because it's so fresh, and it's also something that's quite difficult to make at home. I guess I don't need to really describe how it's made to you, but you can imagine that deep frying a whole fish mm-hmm. requires you to have some sort of massive <laughs> container full of oil, right? And right. making better hot for oil. It. Yeah, it's super messy. It's not something that you want in your apartment or your kitchen, even if you have 
a big kitchen it's still super greasy and messy and i live in basically a studio apartment so my kitchen living room and bedroom is all one room so if i was to start making fish and chips here the whole you know it would just be <laughs> disgusting you know? dream of fish and chips at night <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i would i would be having visions of fish and chips in my dreams um but yeah so i've, I've recently found a place and i'm not going to um advertise any place on roundtable but i found a place that does really good fish and chips in beijing and i don't think that my happy place is particularly deep right now but i must say that it has brought me so much joy as well to find somewhere that serves proper fish and chips in beijing i'd if anybody in beijing is also eating fish and chips then you maybe know the place i'm talking about but it's just brought me more happiness and joy than anything else this wow. month i must say so that there we sounds go it's amazing though josh <laughs> it sounds like you found yourself a piece of home in beijing exactly a deep fried fishy piece of home I wow. love it. Maybe I think I I might know it because I've ordered um, fish and chips once, and I was impressed by what I got. <laughs> it when it they only has it, that so on I'm the menu. Sure. I've never seen a Meituan menu like it. You go on it, and it's just one thing oh. that you can order, and it's the fish and chips. Well, they're they're think, really confident in what I they do. I think it might be the yeah. place, the same place, because I also love fish. Uh, chips. I'm from a coastal city, so mm. seafood is our thing. I'll quickly finish my happy place, and you guys can compare notes afterwards. This <laughs> week, my happy place is similar to what Pearl has, and that is,、uh, I've spent、uh, about half a year away from home on an assignment in different part of the country, and I have since come back home. And in the in meantime, I have always been. Fixing and changing things in my home.、Uh, over the past week, I bought new furniture to help sort out my son's growing pile of of toys. And it's, it's taken me two days to fix the living room where he plays. And it also took me another night、uh, fixing a new working environment. I bought a new computer and I placed it in a different room. I had it decorated, had it、uh, set up so I can、uh, step in and, and start working. And so this has made me very happy. Like I said earlier, in Pearl's case,、uh, there's nothing nicer than、uh, setting up. One's own den, one's own home, and、uh, is taking control in your life. Is、uh, making little changes in your life and、um, making things, making improvements all the time. And that's always something that's worth our attention because you live in the environment. And whatever you do, think about what makes you happy and、uh, try and put it into real actions and bring some real changes in your life. And that's it for our discussion on roundtable. I'll leave time for、uh, Pro and Joshua to compare notes as to what、uh, the fish and chip store is and where we can be found. And、uh, maybe, just maybe, we could share it sometime on the show, and so everybody knows in Beijing. <laughs> that's it. Thank you for listening, and、uh, bye bye. <laughs>